Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific, our second, no, third episode for 2024 and I am with someone, a familiar face that you might remember from last year, Lola. Hello Lola, how are you? Hi, hi Letitia. <laughs> Great to have you back. Now it's been yes. a year, one year since I interviewed you um, around um, your husband cheating on you. Now, I remember just posting that um, interview up and I walked away and then I think I came back and thought, heck, <laughs> the whole world seemed to be watching it. I think in one night we had 60,000 views or something crazy like that because this is a huge issue. Um, it's a big issue right here in Australia, but it seems to be more so across the Pacific as well. I mean, everywhere. Um, but just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it right. And yeah. it's huge amount of harm and and that's why you're speaking up we'll get to that in a second so I just want to give a bit of a recap if you haven't watched my interview from last year with Lola it's um it was February 1st so you can scroll back on my Facebook or on the podcast and have a look but um just just a quick recap her story is that she was married to a man 15 years who cheated on her Uh, he was having an affair with another woman they had three children Um, You saw the signs before you got married. He he was cheating on you before then. Yeah. You'd already had a a child and I think um, you kind of hoped for the best and you got married and uh, found a faith. You know, you're growing closer to Jesus and um, like we're taught, you you were really trying to keep your marriage together. Um, You're trying to fight for that, do all you could, um, but eventually it just got too much. And since our last interview, you have divorced him. Because yeah. he was not willing to change. And um, God doesn't expect us to live in a marriage <laughs> with a man and all his lovers. We make a covenant before God, one man, one woman. So that's kind of a bit of the backstory. Yeah. Um, I got that correct. Anything yep. else? Yeah. Definitely. Um, so maybe just share with us why why are you so passionate about speaking? Yeah. Yeah, so before I start, I just want to say thank you. Um, thank you for doing that first interview because I it opened uh, so many doors for so many uh, people that were hurting, especially women. Um, so thank you for this platform and for helping us women be able to speak on this platform to help others. Um, and, you know, uh, before, you know, when we discussed uh, last year, you, you followed up twice with me uh, to do the interview and I just wasn't ready. Um, even though I did that first interview, I just wasn't, ready mentally and I'll talk about it why I wasn't ready um, and then last year towards the end of last year and then when I told you no I can do the interview now um, because of the feedback that you know women were, were still watching the, um, the interview and you know they were just thanking me for having the courage to speak up and uh, and like and so before I actually start on what I want to talk about I just want to say thank you to all the women and men uh, that were caught in um, adulterous relationships and pulled out um, you know, so, you know, they were having affairs with married men or married women and, you know, they just realized it's not right. It's not the path to go and they pulled out. I just want to say, if you meant that, you know, from a repentant heart, God's going to honor you for, for not to ruin a marriage and family. And why I'm so passionate about it is because, um, you know, the hurt and pain someone goes through. Um, but while I was still in the marriage, even though I was um, hurt and going through all this pain, um, I think I was in denial too. Uh, because like what you said before, you know, I was a believer and I was believing for the impossible to happen. 
you know, because that's what you believe for a non-believer. You want them to be saved. And I think that's why I hung on to that marriage because I, all I knew was like, you know, God's going to change him. Um, you know, God's going to use him to uh, testify of, you know, God's work. And that's why I stayed as long as I could. But then he got to extend where it was just too much. And um, actually, I didn't do the divorce. My husband actually did the divorce. And for me, that's that's a big thing because um, I know how, sorry, my ex-husband, I know how my ex-husband is. Um, and for him to do it, I think that was, uh, I was better off because if I did the divorce, he would use it against me. So in one way, I'm glad he did the divorce and not me. Um, and why I'm passionate about it, because what it's, it's doing to people and, um, you know, we don't really say it out loud, but infidelity, adultery, it's actually abuse. And the scary thing about this abuse, it's not only one abuser, there's two. Whoever gets involved with a married man automatically becomes an abuser. And I think if we tell people that, you know, when you date a married man, you actually become an abuser to that um, has that person's uh, wife or that person's um, husband. So, you know, this is an encouragement. If you're dating a married man right now, I'll just uh, encourage you, just don't go that, down that path. So apart from ruining the marriage, you know, ruin a soul like me, um, you know, the children, uh, the children, the children are the ones that are victims to all of this as well. Uh, and I can testify to this. Um, kids are really good at hiding pain. And not only that, they're good at lying about the pain. Um, and this is what I experienced with my eldest son. So when we had the divorce last year and then, you know, the conversations were going on. Uh, he actually went through a stage where um, he was just heartbroken. And then then I found out he has been hurting since he found out that the dad um, had another woman on the side and had a children outside marriage. So he's been hurting. And I, you know, when, when I used to check on him, he never showed pain because he just continued with life. Um, and it was not till last year where he just actually said it out loud. And so good, there was a, it was a, good moment for us to just open up a little bit um, but I still can't get everything out of him uh, he's an adult now so I've offered him uh, therapy um, the company I work for actually offers families therapies so it's not only myself my children I included in that therapy sessions so I've offered it to him he's just not ready to go to one uh, for my girls that's uh, well, yeah. We'll, we'll come back to the children in a minute. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more we want to say before we keep diving into that. Um, so much that you want to say, which is exciting because it does affect everyone. Um, I just want to talk. Uh, yeah, so you've you've outlined why you're so passionate. And we're going to talk more about the damage soon. Um, Let's just talk a bit about the response as well. And again, you've touched on it briefly. And I know for me, um, I was getting so many messages after that interview, uh, women just calling me from everywhere, even women who were currently in a relationship with a married man, they were wanting help to get out. So um, I just admire their courage. But for you, obviously, family saw this. <laughs> and this is a big reason why we don't speak up because we are so concerned. Yeah about the ramifications that come from family. Uh, I think even I had some of your family members hunting me down <laughs> like I'd done something wrong. Um, this is just a platform I never make anyone share. I'm here for those who want to share when they're ready. Yeah. Um, tell us, firstly, the, the response of um, maybe his family or your wider family. Yeah, so uh, response from the family? 
my family, like my blood family, so like my side, um, no, they came back. They were full on, very supportive. Um, and they didn't realize uh, the torture, like the pain that I was going through. You know, So that interview kind of opened their eyes to what I was really going through. So um, yeah, they were very supportive. Um, but my, uh, so my ex-in-laws, you had some that were supportive. They, they were on the same page. They knew exactly you know, how, what it does to families, but then there were some that were just not nice at it, uh, about it at all, um, thinking that I was the problem as well. Um, uh, in all those little things, um, you know, one called me a coward, <laughs> coward. Um, yeah, and you know what, I, I kind of felt discouraged at that point. And then I, it's amazing when you just stick to the word of God and you stick to, and you just stay closer to God. Um, yeah, and then I just realized, no, you know, I'm talking about something that God is not for, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like one of the commandments is do not commit adultery. Um, it's in Proverbs, there's so many chapters that where God is warning us about infidelity, about adultery, book of Malachi. So, you know, then I, I just got reminded by God, like, no, I'm doing God's will. I'm standing up for justice. I'm standing up for truth. So, you know what? I just decided if someone wants to criticize me, someone wants to judge me, someone wants to swear at me, it's okay. I'm I'm with it because um, I then through this I discovered some Bible verses that all I know is I'm protected. You know, you have Psalm 35, you have Psalm 37, Psalm 91. So I was just like, wow. You know, I I can go out. If someone swears at me, it doesn't bother me. Um, it probably uh, like uh, as a human, I'll probably you know, be shocked or, you know, <laughs> get a bit scared, but, but in the long term, no, God's got my back. So, yeah, and even my uh, ex-husband, he was really upset, um, you know, thinking that I was out to destroy him or destroy his family. Um, but I said, no, the reason why I did was just to, to shed light on infidelity and what it's done. Um, yeah, so, but, and you know, broader... You had, you had yeah. told him that you this is what you were going to do before you did it as well. You told him before I interviewed you last year um, what was happening. I don't think we realised the extent of how far and wide it would go, hey? Yeah. So, yeah, so the response, and then you had the, so you had negative comments, which is fine. And you know, at the beginning when I was reading, I was like, okay, you know, can I deal with it? Um, but then I had to just be firm on God's word. Um and make sure like I had to change my mindset and, and just go back to the word of God. You know, I'm standing up for justice. I'm standing up for truth. So if people have an opinion, that's fine. That's, that's fine. But I'll let God deal with those that want to come against me. I'll let, I'll leave it to God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're about breaking a culture of silence and shame. And um, um, you always know when people are calling you names or accusing you, uh, that's, yeah. that's the enemy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, if I can say something, there were some women that actually questioned, why did I have to do this? And I was like, wow, you know, um, and I think it's just because of that. It's just, we don't talk about it. You know, this is something, uh, someone actually messaged me after the interview and she goes, oh my gosh, Lola, you know, what you spoke on is like a taboo in Fiji. And I was like, you know, I was like, why, why is it taboo? You know, if majority of Fijians are Christians, this shouldn't be a, something that we should be hidden in the closet. We should be able to openly discuss this. Um, yeah, so for some women that ask, you know, why did I do it? Exactly that, to shed light on infidelity and what it does to families, to children, you know, to me, like to the victim here. Um, so yeah, that's the main reason why I did it. Yeah. So let's talk about 
um, your your journey and how that has impacted you before we get to the kids. Because I remember again after our interview last year, you just said, "Oh, there was so much more I could have said about uh, how it impacted you." So I mean, fifteen years living with a, a man who had another lover and children. Can you tell us some of your darkest moments that you experienced in that time? Oh gosh. Uh, there was a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, there were nights where I would just cry myself out to sleep. Um, you know, and I did, I don't know if I mentioned it the last interview where I came to work and my eyes were swollen and I just lied. <laughs> I just lied to my bosses and I had an allergic reaction. Um, and I wasn't um, like, I wasn't myself uh, emotionally and even mentally. And that's the, you know, that's why I just want to encourage people don't, don't date a married man. Like for me, um, you know, I had to make sure I got the kids ready for school. I still had to, you know, look after my family. Um, but then coming to the workplace, you know, like my mind wasn't fully here. Um, there were times when, um, you know, I did say in the last interview where I just submitted wrong financials to the boss and he got really upset. <laughs> he was just like, you know, he's like, how could you get that wrong? And I remember even in a meeting, the meeting was just going on forever. Like, but my mind just drifted, drifted to what was happening in my marriage where when, when I was asked a question, I had no idea what the question was. So, you know, another manager like stood in the gap for me and just answered the question. And then after the meeting, he just said, oh, are you okay? And I just lied. I said, oh, I'm fine. I'm just tired. Um, yeah, just not thinking straight. And um, just, you know, being not the best mom to my children uh, because, you know, there were days where I would just snap at my kids. Like I was just angry. Um, and that's why I say it, it does so much damage, like emotionally, mentally. Um, I got to a stage, you know, I didn't mention in my last interview, I didn't. Um, I still remember I was at a traffic lights. I think I was pregnant to number two. And my, ben, my son was in the car. Uh, he, and I we were just at the traffic lights and I was just thinking, oh my gosh, what if, and there was a bus on the next light set of lights. But then there was no cars in between myself and the bus. And then in my mind, I was just thinking, why don't I just, you know, drive this car up and, you know, smash this guy into the, into the, what's that, into the bus. And, you know, that's how crazy your mind can go. You know, like it really ruins your mind. Um, but I stopped, you know, and then I just realized, okay, God, what's happening here? But I, that's where I knew, you know, I had to continue getting help. So going to counseling was so important for me, hanging out uh, with my connect group. We call it, you know, the cell group. I never missed that because I just had to be surrounded by people that were believers, even though they didn't have to know my story, but just the prayer, the praise and worship that was so important to me, attending church. Um, so that's the scary thing about, you know, being in this position, like you can be suicidal. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually emotional abuse. That's 100% certain. Uh, yeah, it just messes up with your mind. And then you're trying to keep a straight face for your children. And then the kids were the ones that... Um, suffer because you know there are days where I, you know I just mentioned before scream at them or days where I just don't want to do anything and so you know you miss out on doing kids family stuff because I just don't want to do anything yeah it really, it really robs you of your time and energy um, and emotional health as a mother yeah. um, and I think it's important for us you know just some of the things you talked about how you came to work and not concentrating, red eyes, uh, even though you lied, I just want to encourage co-workers out there. Uh, these are important signs to, to look for. And even just to say, 
hey, if something's going on, I'm here for you when you're ready to talk. Um, I think is just, you know, some little things that we can do in the workplace. Don't always believe yeah. otherwise. <laughs> Especially if you True. see habits. Um, I think it's so important that we just let people know that we're aware something's going on and when you're ready, we are here. Um, yeah. Is really good. Yeah. So, well, thank the Lord you never ran into that bus and you're still here today because um, yeah. life is a gift and there's so much more to uh, live. How, yeah, you mentioned your children. You've got three children. Yeah. Correct. Um, to him, to the one man. Yes, correct. Yep. So, yeah, how, how did you journey with them? Or were they fully aware of what was going on or did you try and cover it up or how did you Oh, no, I protected my kids. And at the same time, I didn't, uh, I wasn't, I didn't want them to know the truth uh, back then because, you know, they were kids. I wanted them just to be a kid, just not to have, I didn't want things like this to, you know, to, what's that? I didn't want them to think too much about life, uh, stuff like this. I just wanted them to be kids, to go to school, enjoy school, enjoy holidays. Um, but then uh, the youngest one, she, uh, so it's four years since my ex-husband um, has visited his children. Yeah, so the youngest one um, uh, did ask me, I think last year, the year before, and she said, uh, you know, will our dad ever visit us? does he have like really come again and so i didn't know how to answer and i said oh next time he calls you know you can uh, check with him um then so my girls uh when we were in fiji they did um they had a they met one of the, their brothers uh in fiji but uh, and that's the thing that upset me was the way my ex-husband handled it he didn't you know like warn them before or tell them about it he just like got them together and so I think it hit the eldest son really hard, you know, it just like, you know, like just caught them off guard. Um, so they kind of knew about it, but it's it's like they were just blocking it as well, because when we would have conversations about it, um, it's like it was just us, you know, the three the three of them. Um, and then slowly now, since the divorce happened, like we, we're more open about it. So they know they have siblings. Um, they quite, you know, um, <laughs> the youngest one, <laughs> she said, oh, I'm quite, I'm cool with that, that I've ha I have other siblings out there. But I think what hurt them was um, the fact that we were divorced. Um, when I told them that we're no longer married, we're divorced, there was just complete silence in our house, more than an hour, just complete silence. So I didn't add anything. I just said it. And I just waited for them to come up to me and say something. Um, yeah, and so the, the my son, he was just more like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, didn't really want to have conversation about it. Uh, the second one just said, oh, that's fine, mom. Um, and then again, that was it. But the youngest one, she had to, she, you could tell she was teary. Uh, and she went to the room for a good hour or so. Then she came out and she asked me, can you please explain what you just said? Um, so I had to explain it to her. And uh, yeah, so she was still like, she goes, but I don't get it why you still have to divorce. And so they've, uh, I've scheduled them for therapy. Uh, my son uh, thinks he doesn't have to go for therapy, but my youngest two, it's just, um, so they can talk to the therapist in case he can't talk to me about things. So yeah, so that's uh, the schedule for next week or the following week. Mm -hmm. So important. They can talk through and 
all their emotions? Have you seen a decline in their behavior or their grades um, through it? Or no, because no, they actually did well uh, in their grades. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, when I told them, I, the first thing I said was, you know, we we have to forgive. You have to forgive your dad. Uh, and then I said, he's not uh, like a believer, you know, so what we what we usually, you know, learn is like, we, we all, there's a lot of Christians, but then you have those that are active Christians and those that are not. So I just said, you know, he doesn't really live by the word. So we have to be forgiving. I said, you know, it's okay to be upset, but I, I just told them you have to forgive because not it can affect us. So I think they've taken that on board really well. Uh, but again, that's why for me, the therapy is really important because I don't want to miss something, you know, and then something tragic happens at the end. Um, but I'm glad like conversations my kids have with their friends. So their friends tell their parents and then it comes back to me. So then I know, okay, this is some area that I have to talk about. So so my second one, she uh, was telling a friend, oh, you know, you do realize I have siblings uh, in Fiji. And so her daughter, her friend told her mom and then the mom came back to me. So I just, you know, tried to encourage them uh, to be forgiving um, because that's what we are, to be forgiving, but to also um, to understand that what happened is not the way we should do marriage. Uh, so the girls, I don't think they really understand it fully, but I just said how it happened, that's not the way God wants it, uh, but we have to also be forgiving. Yeah, so that's where we are with our children at the moment. So the divorce came through last year. Um, how have you been? How have you felt since? Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> and this is why I said, you know, infidelity is just not cool at all. Um, yeah, so we divorced. Uh, I got served in uh, February. I got served in Feb. Um, and then the divorce came through in April. So it takes two months. And then the final divorce papers were actually handed out uh, in April. So here's the thing, you you think you have a, a ex-husband that is showing and acting like he wants to be with someone, divorces me, but then after the divorce, he still wants me to be part of his life. And that's what I struggled with. That's why I couldn't uh, do an interview with you uh, because I just knew it wasn't right. Um, yeah, so he, he would still call. Um, and the reason why I allowed the calls was because uh, the only way he would talk a lot to his kids was through me. So if I accepted the call and then I knew his kids, they, they were having good conversations with the children. So I was entertaining that, but then our conversation started going back to like, we were husband and wife again. And I remember like drawing the line, I said, you know, this needs to stop. Um, and he goes, oh, he goes, oh, you know, I don't see any problem with it. So, and then he got to a stage where I was entertaining it again. And then I was like, no, this really needs to stop. I don't want to be classified as the other woman. I said, no, I don't do, I'm not doing life like that. Um, so he he would just casually say, you know, I don't see any problem with it. Um, and he actually said this, you know, he still loves me. And then he said, oh, we soulmates. <laughs> so I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, it was quite depressing. Um, so every time I would say, you know, you need to stop, but he would still call. And it was not till I met this other friend, um, because of that, my last interview, she was able to open up about her story, similar story to mine. Uh, but the only thing is uh, with her was once she came out of that uh, bad relationship, she just, because she hadn't healed completely, she went into another bad relationship and she, um, she said something and it just triggered something in me. She goes, 
you don't know like these kind of relationships um and she used the f word she just said you know it f's with your mind you know when she said it and that's exactly what i was going through um and so i was like oh my gosh and uh i said this is why you know i'm still probably entertaining him because you know i'm just letting him get to my mind and um i also i think i was still in denial um i didn't want to because he was my ex-husband and because he was the father of my children i didn't want to classify him as a narcissist or i didn't want to call our relationship like a toxic one so that took a while so it was a probably a august september the moment i accepted the fact that you know no this person is toxic and i was in in sorry this person is a narcissist and i was in a toxic relationship oh my gosh it once i accepted that it was so easy just to set the boundary mm-hmm. and to say stop um and then he knew i had to block him on whatsapp um and then i left messenger open because we have a, a family chat there so i just left that open um and i'll just give you another example uh you know how we had the ecs celebrations last year so no one knew I was coming um uh, only my sister because i asked her to look after my kids um and then so my girls knew about it so somehow he had called them and one of them said oh mom's going for her school reunion her, her school celebrations and then i get a message from him and he said oh i'll be in fiji around that time he doesn't work he's currently based uh, in another country he said i've been in fiji around that time so i'd really like uh, like if we could meet up and then i said no i said if your new partner your new wife is okay with it I, i'll be okay with it but apart from that no and he goes you know there's nothing wrong for us to meet up just coffee you know just conversation and i said no but uh yeah i got too busy at work so i couldn't come over for the celebrations yeah i was going to say there what's that I was going to say I didn't see you there. Yeah, no no. So yeah, I mean but I just said that. I just thank oh. Jesus because you know like I'm thinking you know like it's just, I was like oh my gosh, you know it sounds like a stalker again. You know like if I was in Fiji, I think I would be like looking behind my back, you know if he's going to just appear or something. Yeah. Um so I'm glad I got caught up with work and so I couldn't come over for the celebrations. Yeah. So there there's a real need to have some strong boundaries in place. Yeah, I think that was my witness to where I just wasn't having like putting a stop. Um and then just little casual things where he was really treating me like a wife is in he would just once he just called and said, "Oh, could you get me an iPhone?" And I said, "Sorry, I'm not getting you an iPhone." And so he said, "No, you buy it and then I'll pay you back." I mean, this is just an example of like how casual he was about the whole thing. and i said no um and so sorry i've got to be in detail here so while i was at work um i got a notification on my phone so he deposited money in my account for his iphone um and then all of a sudden the messages started coming can you make sure you go and get it on this day and can you make sure you dhl and i'm just thinking so i called him and i just said look you're not you're no longer married to me so you don't tell me what to do you know i just put my foot down so he kind of got the message and then i i didn't i I waited for the weekend and then I had time I went bought his um the iPhone and I actually just gave it to a friend to take it over. I didn't put the DHL like exactly the way he wanted. Uh yeah, and then he thanked me as if I bought it for him. I used to know, thank you for my iPhone. I was like, no, 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 I didn't buy anything. That was your money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just played in my mind. But I think I had the boundaries set. And then the last uh uh and i i really told him you know you need to stop this he called on christmas eve 
um, and I didn't answer and I just said, just stick to the group chat. If you want to call, skip, skip to, uh, stick to the group chat. Um, but he didn't even call the kids on Christmas day. Um, and that's, I think that's a, a frustrating part. You know, these kids know their dad and then you have a dad that just, in, he's just, it's like he's, uh, he's just like trying to disown them. That's his actions speak that. Um, and then our last encounter was last month around the 17th, 18th. Yeah, so sorry, I'm going to just put it out there because this is what I had to deal with after the divorce. Um, he just called out of the blue um, and just said, um, uh, you know, along the lines, like, if I was 100% sure I was over him. And, uh, you know, then he would like, he was trying to sweet talk me. Um, you know, like, you know, he was really intimate, like his conversations, that's the only conversations you have with your husband or your wife, you know, like, to the extent of like saying, like, what bra are you wearing, uh, you know, and like really being intimate, he even went to the extent of saying, what happened if we were in the same room together, no one else, what do you think is going to happen? And I was just like, you need to stop. Um, and that that's where, you know, I mentioned, uh, well, we were, you know, before we started the interview, and that's, you know, I got so frustrated. I said, you really need to stop. Stop this call, stop this nonsense. Um, and then I just said, you need to remember who you work for because uh, you work for United Nations. Um, and that's where he got really angry with me. And I said, yeah, because United Nations is all about, you, you know, women empowerment, about human rights, about humanity. And what you're doing is actually the opposite of what that uh, organization stands for. So as soon as I said that back, he hasn't called me, messaged me again. Um, and, but he turned the tables on me and he just said, I'm the toxic person mm. for bringing yeah, that yeah. up. Yeah. Gaslighting yes, when they turn the tables on you. Uh, is he still with the other woman? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. And Definitely, yes. Yeah. So nothing's changed in his life. <laughs> What's that, sorry? Nothing's changed in his life. Then. Yeah, and, and, you know, and just as his ex-wife, you know, as the mother of his children, I, after that conversation, I said, you really need help. You know, this is not right. This is not normal. You need help. I mean, for you wanting to commit to someone else, um, and then that's the kind of conversation you're having with me, that's not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is really important stuff uh, for women because quite often we finish one relationship, you know, and it might have been a really harmful one where he cheated, but then two seconds later we, we're back with him or we bounce into another relationship. So for you, it's important that as you are, you're learning to have those boundaries so that you can have space to heal. Yeah. Um, space to heal do you feel like you've um healed much in the last year oh my gosh uh, you know when i said earlier once i accepted the fact that you know um it was a toxic relationship and i was married to a narcissist you have no idea the freedom i felt i just felt so much freedom like i was that was the first time for me to be actually free from my ex-husband you know because because after the divorce he was still very much present in my life um, up to you know that but the moment I accepted that it was toxic and he's a narcissist that was it just to feel that freedom felt so good and you know I want to encourage women if, if you're still hanging or you're still being obedient to your ex-husbands um, do you know you, you need that freedom you know God gave us that freedom and because I know with that freedom you will flourish and will be the best person we could ever be and who God created us to be and that's why I just want to encourage women like you know you don't have to uh, you don't owe your ex-husband anything. Really, you don't. We don't. Um, you know, even though we share children, uh, but I know I don't owe him anything. But just to feel that freedom, oh gosh, it was so powerful. Yeah, no, that's yeah. 
it's truth that sets us free. And sometimes we're scared to acknowledge that I was in a toxic or abusive relationship. Because yeah. <laughs> you don't want to think I was that woman, but um, it's freedom to come to yeah. that, isn't it? So where to from here for you, Lola? Oh, I just, I think, I, you know, just more conversations. Like we should continue having conversations about infidelity and adultery because it, you know, like, as I said before, it damages people. And I'll just give you an example. Um, like sometimes when someone says, oh, that guy's cheating, you know, and but you mentioned in the organization, if you see someone that's not doing well, you know, ask the question. Um, then you have those that say, oh, it's a personal matter. It's a private matter. You know, you shouldn't, we shouldn't get involved. But I want to encourage people, you know, we have to change that mindset. So, for example, um, you know, like when my husband, you know, when I was still married to my um, ex-husband, you know, when I came into work, I wasn't giving my 100% to this company, but yet my boss was still paying me. And I'll just uh, give an, an, yeah, so that's an example. And like you look at if a husband is cheating on his wife, and just imagine if the wife's a teacher or a nurse, and she goes to school and she's not there 100% teaching her kids not giving her best to her children, who, who suffers the most apart from her and her family? It's the students, you know, they're not receiving the best um, classes from their, from their teacher or the nurse, she's not giving the best care to the patient. So I think we all have to, we need to stop that saying, you know, uh, uh, it's personal, it doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Um, and, you know, I, um, I don't know, did I mention about the police officer that, that was cheating on his wife? And that video went viral. Um, again, you know, we don't know what the wife's going to go through. She'll be walking into her workplace, you know, so heartbroken. She won't give her 100% to that workplace, to her family. And, um, and you know, I wanted to raise a point here. Uh, an example is like, so my ex-husband, he, he works for United Nations, and it's all about humanity, equality. So he's, the way he's, his personal life doesn't reflect the organization he works for. And for me, that's, that's, hypocrisy like we shouldn't be doing that you know that should be raised that should be uh looked at into um you look at the police officer you know he's there to look after the community but he's destroying his marriage and you know that's again that's a bad example uh, another example of hypocrisy um and when you look at these two roles um i know i'm gonna get into some people might not even like what i'm saying here both these organizations, you have the police officer, he, his wage, he gets paid by taxpayers, yeah? Um, and, you know, my ex-husband, his wage comes from um, foreign funding, from foreign governments. And who pays taxes? The individual, you know, a personal life. So that's why when people say it's personal, no, we need to stop that because it's a personal life that pays taxes, you know, pays income taxes. It's a personal life that buys goods and services. It's a personal life that helps run an organization. So I think it's really important to never go there and say, oh, it's a personal matter. We shouldn't deal with it. No, we should deal with it because each person makes up society. And, um, you know, and if everyone's broken, then our society is broken. So yeah. we need to help each other. And it should be like, it should, it should be looked into more. We've got to help each other do better, um, I think. Yes, definitely. And um, I, I know there'll be people thinking, oh, this is private matters. It's got nothing to do no. with us. But as you said, we are linked and it does affect. And, um, yeah, especially if they're with, your, they're with your husband, that very much affects you. So, um, Lola, I love your courage. 
I just want to end with one thing because yes, we've we've got to actually start helping our children. Your husband doesn't just start cheating at the age of 21 or wherever he meets you. Um, this is stuff that begins in our childhood and our teenage years, whether it's through looking at pornography. Uh, are we teaching our kids what healthy relationships look like, what marriage looks like? Are we yeah. teaching them to discern the red flags, the green flags, how to just be a healthy child? And it was uh, beautiful. I interviewed, got another podcast coming out with Paul Morrow, who lives in Fiji, and he runs a lot of father-daughter camps, and he's doing all he can to help um, fathers be better fathers. And yeah. Impact. So we've got to start at that age because all this stuff doesn't break out in our 20s and 30s. It's been sitting there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, something I got uh, negative feedback about in the last interview was um, it seemed like I was blaming uh, my ex-husband's upbringing. But I want to just share, I think our surroundings matter as a childhood, like our family surroundings. Because I grew up, I come from a big family. My dad's a family of 10. My mom's a family of 10. So when we had family gatherings, um, so my dad was the, he was like number six or seven. Um, so when we were born, we had cousins that were already in high school. So growing up, we, uh, when we had family functions and they would drink, I used to see them drink. And I remember as a kid, so this is how powerful our surroundings, our families matter. I remember as a kid, I saw that and I was like, I can't wait to be an adult so I could drink with them. You know, and so that was my mission, like just growing up. I didn't even, that's all I wanted to do was just to have my first drink and drink with them. Um, and um, also, in just in, um, you know, you mentioned the last interview, what was my goal as a husband? And because I wasn't planted in the word of God, I remember all I wanted to find in a man was he had to be career-minded, nothing else. I only had that one box. So when I met my ex-husband, um, he had that. I knew he was career focused. So that was a red flag. That was a green flag to me. <laughs> what was, and I think what topped it off where it was a bonus to me, why I said, oh my gosh, this is perfect because he drank. And like for me, that was just exactly what I wanted. So I want people to understand, no, our upbringing matters. Um, and we as parents, we need to make sure we bring up our kids in, in, in a good environment. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That. Um, that encourages good, wise choices. Yes. Well, um, Lola, thank you. I'm sure this conversation is not finished. I just want to say again, if you're listening today and you're currently in a relationship with a married man or woman that you shouldn't be, um, this, it's time to finish that. They're not your spouse. They're not yours. Uh, reach out to me. We, we are not here judging. We are here to help and to create a, just a greater society because strong marriages create strong children. Yeah, that's true. Create strong societies. And at the moment, our nations are falling apart because of the brokenness of families. So we love you and uh, we are here to help and support. So thank you again, Lola, uh, very much. And um, keep up, keep speaking out, and um, I'm sure we'll chat again sometime in the near future. Thank you, Leticia, and thank you for this amazing platform. My pleasure. Naka. Easily, I see your suffering, I see the pain beneath that bowl of smile. sun is rising let the islands hear each
Jesus' name.